Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look around the NFL with John McClain from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. Here's your boy Q. And John McClain joins us now on the phone line for his weekly visit. And John, we definitely appreciate you. And I really don't know where to start. There's so much to get to. So let me ask you this. Are you and Carol coming out to Vegas this weekend? Uh, no, we're not. I'll be watching it on TV and writing a column uh, off of it for gallerysports.com, doing a report card for sportsradio610.com. Problem is, if I came out there, I'd be doing too much partying with you, and I wouldn't <laughs> be able to focus on football. I know, that's right. We're going to have to cancel that uh, suite that we got for you, all reserved, ready to go. I guess we got to cancel that for you. <laughs> I thought that was the suite in the back of your house, right? Well, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but, no, excited about this weekend's game. Both teams get back to action as the Texans were on a bye and so were the Raiders. Uh, neither one of the teams are o- overwhelming anybody right now. But before we get into the game, there's a lot of stuff coming out of Houston and the NFL. Jack Easterby, he's out there in Houston. Uh, it seemed like it was a long time coming. What was the eventual tipping point for Easterby why he's out now? It's amazing. Jack Easterby was executive vice president of football operations. He was here only three and a half years, but he was hated by many people. And the reason is, when Bill O'Brien was fired as general manager, fans and media wanted Easterby fired, too, because O'Brien kept telling the media that uh, they made joint decisions. And so um, the timing, we don't know why it was now. I I said at the start of the season, I thought he'd be gone after the season, that he would quote-unquote resign. So they said he was, quote, unquote, mutual parting of the ways, which is not true. He was fired. And uh, everybody here is saying good riddance. You know, the uh, the uh, Josh McDaniels know him very well. They won two Super Bowls together. Ziegler know him very well. And uh, maybe the Raiders will hire him. <laughs> and uh, so he walked away with a lot of money, I can tell you that. And people here are very happy. Of course, they're happy anyway because the Astros are favored now to win the World Series. And uh, as you can imagine, yesterday was an off day for the Astros, and I told people on my shows there, it's a good thing they were off because they'd have been on the inside pages because the Easter Bee dominated everything because it was such a popular decision. I'll tell you one thing about the games, Q. Between the two teams, they've lost seven games, and only one has been by more than seven points. And that was when the Texans lost. They were the Chargers were up by three. Texans needed a stop with eight minutes left. Had they stopped them, they might have won the game. Instead, they couldn't. So the rate they beat them by ten points. So they both played a lot of close games. And people ask me here if one of them is going to bounce back, which do I think it'll be? And I said, well, of course it's going to be. The Raiders, because the Raiders have lost games, as you guys know, that have been so frustratingly, maddeningly close. And I think coming off the bye week, you'll see them play better. One thing to keep in mind, the Texans were giving up 202 yards a game. And in the last two weeks, they played the run the last two games so much better. But I would still, if I'm Josh McDaniels, I'm going to run Josh Jacobs, and I'm going to run him some more and run him some more. There you go. That's the identity of the Raiders. It sure has been the last couple weeks is run Jacobs, run Jacobs, and run him some more, as you mentioned. Again, John McClain is our guest here on Unnecessary Roughness, Red Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. 
Yeah, I don't want to harp on it too much, but the story is fascinating to me about Easterby. How did he come to so much power within the Texans organization? And can you trace him gaining all this power to the downfall of the Texans to where they are now? Uh, no, it wasn't his fault. It was Bill O'Brien's fault for bad trades he made. Easterby was six and a half years in New England, and he was a character coach, and he was an advisor, and he was there when anybody needed him. If Josh McDaniels needed him, he could talk to him about anything. And when uh, the uh, he said too much in the media off the record and it got out in the Boston Globe, and I believe the crafts were no way they're going to renew his contract. So Bill O'Brien, at the recommendation of his good friend Nick Casario, the director of player personnel for the Patriots, convinced the McNair family here, we need to hire this guy. So he comes in here, and it was pretty obvious after about six months, he was power hungry. He wanted to run an organization. It is starting with general manager Brian Gain in June of 2019. It was amazing. How many top executives resigned or were forced out? And O'Brien and him became best friends. And then he got O'Brien out, became interim general manager. And then his good buddy Nick Casario became the general manager. But Easterby's standing cratered, and he was emasculated because he pushed so hard for Josh McCown with only high school coaching experience to be the new head coach there. And they came to their senses and hired Lovey Smith. And from that point on, he had been pushed into the background. He had no more power and no more influence. And now he's on his way out of town. Again, we're talking with John McClain here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So as far as the game goes, and the Texans in particular, Damian Pierce, Bright, bright young rookie. Uh, I know you're very high on him. Obviously, the Texans are as well. We talked to Patrick Graham, the Raiders defensive coordinator, early. He was very high on him, said he's going to hate to have to try to slow him down. What have you seen from Pierce uh, so far in this young season? He didn't start many games at Florida, which is one reason Dan Mullen is working as an analyst for Fox. And he was drafted in the fourth round. And we could see from the start of the rookie minicamp and OTAs he had a chance to be special because he's 218 pounds, and he, he cuts quick, and he's got a lot of power. They, 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 they go crazy because he's, he's fumbled a couple of times. He hasn't lost them, but you know what people think about fumbles, especially yeah. with rookies. But everybody loves him. got great personality, great interview, and there's so much better with him. But the problem is Davis Mills, who played really well over the last five games last season, he hadn't played well. Pep Hamilton promoted to be the play caller, and he had done a good job. I did a study last week. I did a column for gallerysports.com on Mills over the last five games of last season and the first five games of this season, and there's not much to compare. I mean, he's just not as good. And I don't think he just became a bad quarterback. I think play calling has a lot to do with it. Raiders will see that. They don't throw the ball down the field. They dink it and dunk it. And when you're running a lot and dinking and dunking, you're not going to score many points. And they have the fewest touchdowns in the NFL, eight. They are fourth in the red zone. They're tied for 10th in the red zone with 60% touchdowns. That's pretty damn good. Problem is, they've been in the red zone league low 10 times. Mm. 
There you go. Again, John McClain is our guest from gallerysports.com, also Sports Radio 610 there in Houston, here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Looking at the defensive side of things for Houston, I know between the 20s they give up a ton of yards, but when they get to the red zone, Lovey Smith's group is able to buckle down a little bit. What changes for them in the red zone? It's interesting because um, they have been so much better fourth overall, giving up 38.9% on touchdowns. They have four new starters in secondary, including two rookies, cornerback Derek Stingley and safety Jalen Petrie. Both of them are really good. And I think we'll see Stingley on Devontae Adams a lot. Adams will make a lot of catches and yards on him because he's covering the top dogs most of the time. And he's learning. You know, he's like a baby learning to walk. And they had a really good pass rush for the first three. They had 10 sacks. Now they've had one in the last two games. So if they can't get their pass rush together and under Levy Smith to play a 4-3, he does not like the blitz unless he has to because he says turnovers come when players have their eyes on the ball in zone instead of their backs to the quarterback in man. And But the defense has given up 19.7 points a game. Last year it gave up 26 so the defense has improved. People say, well, look at the quarterbacks. I say, well, they played Matt Ryan. They played Russell Wilson. And it's not their fault that those guys were not playing as well. Maybe they had something to do with it. But the defense is better in the second season under Lovey Smith. When it comes to like the signings that they've made this past offseason, Patrick Graham was asked today about the young players, but he mentioned the veterans that they have. Jerry Hughes, how important has he been to this defense? Jerry's from Houston, and he started off with four sacks in the first three games, and we're saying he came home and discovered the fountain of youth. <laughs> well, it must have run dry because in the last two he hadn't done much. They don't have pressure from those linemen. Jonathan Grenard, their best pass rusher, missed the last game. He's supposed to be back. They don't get much of an inside push either, and the linebackers have not played well. We're interested in seeing if Christian Harris – Third-round pick from Alabama who ran a 4-4-4 at the Combine. If they're going to play him, he's been out all year with a bad hamstring injury. He was ready. I think the Raiders would see Christian Harris for the first time. They need to, they need to, they need an infusion of youth and talent and linebacker like they've had in the secondary. Talking right now with John McClain from gallerysports.com, also Sports Radio 610 here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you, and I just wanted to talk about the NFL in general. The owners' meetings are going on, and Jim Irsay, the owner of the Colts, has come out and said that Dan Snyder needs to be out of there, that they need to vote him out. How shocked were you that uh, he came out and said that on the record? Well, I guess Snyder doesn't have any dirt on him or he wouldn't have come out and said that. <laughs> uh, ESPN story last week, act like Snyder had dirt on everybody. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, well, maybe he doesn't. He's just leaking that to try to make sure he doesn't get voted out. But you guys know he wouldn't go peacefully like Jerry Richardson. When Jerry Richardson right. had the scandal in Sports Illustrated, he sold the team before the posse got there. Dan Snyder would go. He would lose the team. He'd be drug out kicking and screaming and telling everything he thinks he knows about other owners. Like, people say he's got dirt on Jerry Jones. Like what? What is there of Jerry Jones we don't already know? That guy's had almost every kind of scandal you can have. Yeah, he has. That's big facts right there. Jerry's had plenty. Maybe that's what Jim Irsay was thinking. <laughs> We've got. Pl- I got plenty of dirt that everyone already knows about, so I could go out and be the spokesman for that. That's I don't a know. great point, maybe. But Jerry's 80. He turned 80 last week. 
And when you hit 80, there's not much that's going to be said that people are going to hold, hold against you, especially him, because he helps them make so much money. When it comes to Daniel Snyder, do you think that the NFL would prefer he takes the Robert Sarver approach where the public shame becomes the, 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 becomes the factor that makes him sell the team? And do you think that Daniel Snyder is able to feel this public pressure or shame because he hasn't so far yet? Come on, do you really think he feels any shame? Give me a break. <laughs> he feels no shame whatsoever. Nope. And he doesn't want to sell the team. You know, those, number one, he can make billions, but he's already got billions. So, no, he's not it, – it would be – we've never had this happen where they forced an owner out. And he is, there'd be lawsuits threatening to open the books. You know, the last thing the owners want is their books to be open for people to see how much money mm-hmm. they're actually making and where it's spent. That's one reason they settled with St. Louis for almost a billion dollars. And uh, I think that before they tried to force – Snyder out, and it would take a three-quarters majority of those owners, they would have to make sure, 24 of them would have to make sure there weren't any more skeletons in their closets. Right, exactly that. And John, final question for you. Today it was announced that uh, the NFL in 2023 is going to have a Black Friday game moving forward. Uh, How big is that for the NFL to capture another day of the year like Black Friday? Well, first of all, uh, Amazon has hurt Black Friday because of delivering things to people. They don't storm the stores as much as they used to. So I think if you're going to pay that kind of money, you know a lot of people are going to be home. I don't care when it is. The NFL is going to draw it. If you're the only game that day, you know you're going to get monster ratings, whether you're on network TV or where you're being streamed. Yankees or Guardians, who would you rather face in the ALCS? Uh, I people here, a lot of people say, well, they'd rather see the Astros play the Guardians. I wanted to play the Yankees. Dodgers have already been beaten. If the Yankees are beaten and they beat the Guardians and, say, the Phillies or uh, the Padres to win the World Series, all the Dodgers and Yankees fans are going to say, their World Series is tarnished. They didn't have to beat us. That's why I wanted to beat the Yankees so they can at least see who did that. They dominated the Yankees in regular season, but I love watching Aaron Judge. I love watching John Carlos Stanton because, you know, it's all about the long ball. There you go. Well, you might get your wish. The Yankees are up 5-1 right now, bottom of the six, uh, and they got two guys on. So, uh, John, great stuff as always. What do you got coming out on gallerysports.com that we ought to look out for? My Jack used to be firing column is on Gallery Sports. I'm riding an Astros as soon as this game's over. I have uh, – I do – Three podcasts a week for SportsRadio610.com and uh, on the Texans and the NFL. And we just recorded about the Texans and the Raiders. Thank you guys for letting me promote what I do. And I appreciate being on with both of you. Thank you so much, John. We appreciate you more than you'll ever know. There he goes, John McClain from GalleriesSports.com, also Sports Radio 610 in H-Town, giving us a little bit of Texans, giving us some NFL, giving us some Dan Snyder, giving us some baseball takes as well. Fantastic guy, uh, fantastic writer, even better guy, as a matter of fact. 317 is the time. Many thanks to John McClain. When we come back, got a couple more sound bites from Patrick Graham, plus we got plenty of text to get to. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 
And we're back. 321 is the time here on Radio Nation Radio 920. We got JP Finley coming up uh, from uh, 106.7 The Fan in D.C. at uh, 3.30. And, of course, we'll have to ask him about everything going on with Daniel Snyder and Jim Irsay coming out and talking about publicly removing uh, Daniel Snyder from ownership there in D.C. Uh, really wanted to have him on to talk about potential players that maybe the Raiders could be interested in that could be on the trade block, including William Jackson uh, the third, who was uh, a guy I liked a lot coming out of Houston, but I believe he's injured right now, so don't know if that would be uh, worth it. But J.P. Finley will join the show coming up at 3.30. We've been talking all things defense when it comes to the silver and black. Really wanted to have a focus on that today since defensive coordinator Patrick Graham met with the media, so I thought it would be a perfect way to tie it in. Wanted to have this conversation anyway, but it made a lot of sense. You know, it just, again, it just kind of came together with Patrick Graham meeting with the media today. It's the first time in a couple of weeks. So uh, the question I threw out there on the text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Of course, we appreciate every text we get. With Hobbs out, Chandler Jones hasn't stepped up yet. Lack of pressure up the gut. What does the Raiders team need to do in, to improve this roster defensively or improve their, their production defensively and demand mentioned turnovers they need to find a way to create turnovers and I feel like we've been preaching to the choir been talking about turnovers for years now right even before uh, I was even anywhere near Raider Nation Radio 920 I feel like I've been talking about turnovers in the Raiders defense that's something that they need to find a way to continue to create and similar to sacks I think that they come in bunches but You've got to also be a team and a defense that's looking to create turnovers. Damon, you brought it up a little earlier. I think you were talking to Ed Graney about just, you know, going and trying to make that, take that shot. Okay, hey, the ball's in the air. Let me go get it. You know, what did Charles Woodson said? Uh, see ball, get ball. That's what they got to do. You know, kind of go out there and create turnovers. I just kind of feel like that these guys, I mean, we talk about execution, how simple it could be. I just think that they just have to go out there and, and know what their assignments are. And it seems to me, it feels like, and this is just my point of view, it feels like they're thinking just a little bit, like they're thinking about what they're supposed to do, and that split second is what's hurting them from making a big play. Just a thinking man is a slow man is what we always say. No one gets People get tired of hearing slogans, I get it, but that just to me it feels like that's what it is. Just feel like they're a step behind, Damon. Yeah, exactly what you mean about that step behind. And I think that's so much where people always say, hey, this soft zone. Because when you see the team, hey, the, the reception is made, and then they're coming right behind them to make the tackle. But they've already got the first down at that point. So I think that for, on my part, I just want to see some more aggressiveness. There was one play, I can't remember exactly the down and distance, but it was in the red zone, and I felt like Deron Harmon, he could have made an interception on one of those Patrick Mahomes throws, yeah. so it wouldn't have been a touchdown to Travis Kelsey, but it's just being, like you said, a step behind where they're not being too aggressive in my point, where it's rather they'd rather play it safe than be aggressive and get burnt for a touchdown. But if you're allowing the touchdowns anyway, who, who cares if it's on a 40-yard touchdown or they, get, or they punch it in right at the red zone? That's a good point. You know, sometimes you got to go for the gusto and try to make a big play. And, you know, one of the things that's been pointed out, and I know Hondo Carpenter actually asked this to Patrick Graham earlier, was about tackling because they've just struggled to tackle at times where they haven't, you know, they, they, they've been there to make the play. And, or else, you know, you'll see, a, you'll see them running. It'll be a running play, and instead of it only being a three- or four-yard run, all of a sudden you'll see the back get 12 to 10 yards, 12 to 15 yards on it because, you know, guys are trying to strip the ball instead of just make the tackle. So here's Patrick Graham talking about the improved tackling or the need for improved tackling. Uh, through practice, I mean, that's part of what we have to do in terms of innovation. Things change over time. we got to find ways to practice tackling and make sure that, you know, we're giving them as – close to real life situations as possible. So, you know, that's through the leadership of our head coach, you know, special teams, defensive coaches, all getting involved with that and just trying to work work as much as we can, you know, in terms of the angles, 
again, you might not get the physical contact part of it, but there's ways to simulate that, whether it's through some of the sleds work that we use, you know, just getting back to fundamentals with that. But a lot of times tackling is about the angles, uh, closing down the right at the right proper angle, pursuit to the ball. That's the main things that you got to focus on when you can't really do it live. Patrick Graham talking about tackling and, you know, how they can improve on their tackling. And a lot of what he just said, DeMond, sounds like what you were just saying about, you know, being there at the right time, you know, making the right angle, you know, seeing it, reading it, understanding what's about to happen. You know, it goes back to film study. And it's something that Jerron Harmon talked to to me and and you about in particular about, hey, you know, for this defense to work, we've got to be able to study the film. You know, the one thing I'll say about Gus Bradley's defense last year, even though I know it struggled, especially in the red zone, similar to what this defense is doing, I felt like it was simplistic enough where they weren't thinking. They were just kind of going, right? And, and, you know, similar to what John McClain said about Lovey Smith, he feels like if guys have their eyes on the, on, on the quarterback and on the ball, they have an opportunity to go make a play. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, so I, I feel like Gus Bradley's defense last year was, was able to make a few plays here and there. They still didn't turn, cre- turn, uh, create a bunch of turnovers, so there's that. But it just seemed like that they were able to go a little bit quicker. Like they weren't thinking they were just going, you know, reading, reacting. And so it seems like this, this team, this defense is just a little behind on plays here and plays there, and they end up being really big plays. And so they've got to find a way to shore that up, and that's something that, you know, Patrick Graham was talking about. It's obviously what we've been talking about here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Let's get one quick call in before we get to J.P. Finley. Uh, let's talk to our guy, Raider Fish in Berkeley. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, folks? Hey, how are you two gentlemen doing today? Hey, we're blessed. How are you? Yeah, yeah. You know, when I ask, I really want to know. It's just not empty. You know, some people <laughs> ask rhetorical questions, baby. I really want to know. Hey, uh, well, real quick, it's off subject, but, you know, you asked Friday what I was going to do. Hey, I went to see that Woman King, and uh, wow, hey, that's a must-see. Okay. Because there's some Academy Awards going to be dolled out, at least nominations-wise, on that movie, man. Let me tell you. Nice. All uh, right. I got a question for you. Hey, what, what, uh, William Jackson III, is that real? Is that, is that just a rumor? Is that just some, 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 some people being butthurt or, or what? Have you heard anything about William Jackson III and whether or not he's on the trading block for real? Well, that's the and good call. Appreciate it. That's what we're going to find out. We're going to talk to J.P. Finley coming up next, and he's there in D.C. I've seen it a couple times. Apparently he's disgruntled there in Washington, so I think that he's going to be moved pretty quickly. I just don't know where. I saw a report, and people tagged me on Twitter yesterday, like, oh, man, the Raiders are in conversation with Washington. I don't think it's that. <laughs> I really don't. Um, I don't even know if the guy's healthy. So that's why we're going to have JP on in a few minutes to ask about William Jackson in particular and any other player on defense that they may have and make available. As You know, the commanders only have two wins on the season. They don't have a quarterback. Carson Wentz is out. They're going to go back to Taylor Heineke. Uh, it looks like that they're kind of in a, in a, in a, in a mess to say. I guess the, the cleanest word would say is they're a mess right now of an organization, obviously with everything going on with Snyder and on the field as well. So uh, we'll find out about that. But that's, that's why I'm, I'm going to have JP on because I saw all those reports as well. I haven't heard anything from anyone on this side of things as far as like Vinny or Vic or Tashawn or Paul. You know, I haven't heard anything about, hey, look out, there's a potential trade on the way. Like I, I haven't heard any of that. I'm just doing my due, dil- due diligence from – my radio point of view. <laughs> that's that's all I really, really got on that. But we'll be talking to J.P. Finley in a matter of minutes to talk about that and a whole lot more when it comes to that team up in D.C. But 
Still taking your uh, your text as well. Uh, Jason in Maryland, uh, he hit us up on the text line at 69187, keyword r It's always great when he chimes in. Yeah, Q, they need turnovers, but it's a fine line. You can't have guys gambling and not coming up with it. That leads to big plays. I feel like for sure a lot of those missed tackles are us going for the strip, and that is 100% true. Thank you for that text. That strip, going for the strip, and it, it's one of those things, it drives me crazy because you want to see you want to see them tackle the guy first. You want to see – I want to see, let me just say it like that. I want to see the second guy come in to strip, right? I want to see the first guy, you know, try just get him to the ground. Let it, let it be known that you're taking him to the ground. And a lot of times these guys reach in and try to strip the ball and they don't secure the tackle. And that, I think that drives fans crazy. I know it drives me crazy watching it. Uh, and, and look, the, the defenders are smart. They've done a really good job, and I mean across the league, of finding ways to get the ball out and get the ball back for their offense. But, man, when they start missing a bunch of tackles, and we saw a lot of it on Monday night against Kansas City, uh, there was that one play in particular where the running back, like I mentioned earlier, kind of ran about 15 yards, but he really should only have had about a three- or four-yard gain. But it was just three guys trying to strip the ball out instead of just getting the guy to the ground. That drives me crazy. There's a ton of that that goes on, not only with the Raiders, but just across the league in general. Um, one more text from Zeke and Bakersfield said, Q, I doubt it would happen, but maybe give the Chargers a call. J.C. Jackson looks lost in their system. They even benched him. Not sure if it's a scheme thing there or something else. Again, that's Zeke and Bakersfield. And, man, I'll tell you, and I had someone call into my, uh, my, my Raiders podcast, my Lockdown Raider podcast yesterday, and said, man, Q, remember how excited you were about J.C. Jackson? And, you know, the Raiders dodged a bullet by not going out and paying him the money to bring him in because he's just got benched. He doesn't look very good. And you're, and you're right. You know, and I have no problem saying that I thought that that would be a good fit with the Raiders. He hasn't been a good fit with the Chargers. He's been injured. He's been very ineffective. You know, he just hasn't been the guy that you saw when he was in New England. And the one thing I will say, I mean, I guess if I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit, which I'm not really, but I did question why is Bill Belichick so willing to let this guy walk? That was the one qu- And I didn't have the answer to it. I still don't have the answer, except for what we're seeing with the Chargers, and he's just not playing very good. He's just not playing at a very high level at all. And so my biggest thing is, like, I was so confused throughout the summer and when they said that he was going to test free agency, and this guy has created so many turnovers, come up with so many interceptions. And I thought that, hey, that would be a great a great fit for the Raiders, and, and, you know, they need a guy that could be a ball hawk. He has been everything but that. So I'll, I'll definitely own that as far as that was, a, that was a miss. That would have been a miss on my part. And obviously GM Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly, you got to give them credit for the, the triggers that they don't pull. Right, because they easily could have said, "All right, well, the Chargers are going to give you this much. We'll give you this much." They could have, you know, they could have kept Andy and up, right? They could have just kept raising the bar like an auction, and he would have gone to the highest bidder. Make no mistake about it. He didn't just go to the Chargers because he thought that was the best place for him. He went to the Chargers because they offered him the most money, as most free agents do, as they should, right? I don't, I don't blame anybody for going and getting the most money that they can. But yeah, that would have been a big miss. Uh, the Chargers aren't going to trade him, and I don't think the Raiders want anything to do with him. Anyway, so thank you for that text. I do appreciate you joining us now on the phone lines from 106, the fan, 106.7 The Fan excuse me, in D.C. and also NBC Washington is our friend J.P. Finley. And, J.P., thanks so much for your time this afternoon, my man. And I wanted to have you on to talk about William Jackson and any other potential players that could be on the trade block if, if there's some of that going down before November 1st. And then all of a sudden Jim Irsay started talking about Dan Snyder. How shocked and surprised are you that another owner came out and basically said, yeah, this guy needs to be removed from ownership? 
Yeah, we'll we'll try to reset with uh we'll try to reset with JP. Let's take a quick break and see if we can get a better connection for him because this is some good stuff and I know he's struggling to hear us. And so we'll try to get a better connection. We'll come back with JP Finley talking all things uh, Washington Commanders here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 3.36 is the time. Join us now on the phone lines. We're going to try this one more time as our good friend J.P. Finley from 106.7 The Fan in D.C., also NBC Washington, covers the commanders like a glove. And, J.P., we appreciate your time. Wanted to ask you about Jim Irsay just coming out, talking about uh, Daniel Snyder and that he needs to be removed and voting him out. And how shocked were you that another owner came out and said that? Stunned. I, I mean, I- Listen, we've been following this thing for two years now, and, and even longer than that as fans in D.C. are just totally fed up with, with ownership. And obviously, as more and more information has come out about you know all the sleazy stuff that was happening there, more and more there's been a vocal outcry for his removal. I, but, I mean, how surprised was I? I pulled over my car to call my like various eight bosses to see what I needed to do, and I... I filmed a video on the side of the road. I mean, this is, I'm not saying this means he will be booted, but this is a huge deal. NFL owners don't break ranks. They don't call one another out. They might privately and off the record take all sorts of shots, but to to publicly say we have to seriously consider voting this guy out and that we might have the votes to get to 24. And in a way, Ursa is kind of the perfect person to do so. Because he was asked about this, you know, the, the most recent ESPN story said Dan's got dirt on all these other owners and Roger Goodell, and if he goes down, he's bringing everybody down with him. Ursay has been arrested for DUI with prescription pills in the car. Right. What, what are you going to say about Ursay that's going to embarrass that dude? Or you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, in a lot of ways, he's the perfect dude to, to kind of be the, the public face of this thing. Um, we're waiting. Kind of with bated breath here, uh, Roger Goodell is expected to speak to the media in the next 20 minutes or so. And uh, I don't think – now, there's no agenda item to vote on Dan in, in this meeting, but Ursa said the March meeting could could be possible. The commanders – you know, it's only fair to, to report this part. The commanders have issued a statement denying everything Ursa said and saying that it's it's really unfair to consider a vote when the investigation isn't over. Um, you know, for for your guys' audience in Vegas that may not live and die with this stuff, there, it's there's seemingly ne- never ending investigations, but there are two big ones pending. One is a congressional report. The other is a investigation by this woman Mary Jo White, who has done other NFL investigations. Um, there's a lot of belief that the Mary Jo White investigation is going to have some really tough details for ownership to get past and 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 if that's the case and maybe owners hear about that in advance they might want to get out in front of this thing and be like yeah see i wanted them out all along and uh it's going to get really interesting here really interesting I have no doubt about it. And, JP, I know that you're, you know, doing a new radio show with B. Mitch, and he's a great guy, and I know he's very proud. He's very outspoken as well. What has been his reaction to everything that's been rolling out the past couple of weeks about Dan Snyder? Um, you know, B. B is smart having been in the league and knowing how tilted the playing field is in favor of ownership. And, and I mean, I just look around our country, right? Just look how – 
what billionaires get away with that regular people never get away with. Right. So you don't have to be a former player to recognize that. But it's getting harder and harder not to see. It, it, whether or not it ever gets hot enough, who knows. But the heat has been turned up significantly. And, I mean, this is another owner coming out and saying it. And what we know here is um, there is certainly no love lost between Dan Snyder and Giants owner John John Mara. Mm-hmm. And the Mara family, a lot of people believe, kind of run the NFL anyway because they're, they're in New York and the league's in New York and they're longtime owners. Um, it, it, you know, that ESPN report said that Jerry Jones might be losing patience with Dan. And Jerry, for a long time, has been Dan's kind of biggest advocate. So it just seems like, like we have one person actually saying it out loud. And then you can start looking around. And what the owners care about most is cash. And what the commanders have screwed up so poorly, they're unable to get public money for a new stadium. And, and the D.C. area, for those that aren't familiar, is kind of made up of three jurisdictions. you got you got D.C. proper, then Maryland, then Virginia. And all three areas have kind of gone out of their way to say, we're not giving you any money for a new stadium. Mm. And when you juxtapose that with Buffalo, who just got damn near a billion dollars in public money, Nashville just got, I think, over a billion in public money. I mean, you guys would know better than me, but <laughs> I know yeah. Vegas and everybody came up with a ton of cash. Yep, Guys, I, I, I hate to do this. Um, Roger Goodell's about to talk, and, and I, I got to pay attention to this. Just no, no, go for it. Here. Good stuff. I, Thank I, I apologize. I owe you one. Happy to come on later this week. No problem. Appreciate you, JP. There he goes, JP Finley. And, hey, duty calls. That's I'm, I knew when he said that Roger Goodell was going to be talking about 20 minutes that we were going to have to wrap it up. But uh, that's some interesting stuff right there. Now, we never got to the point of what we were, actually had him on to talk about, which was any players made available. But uh, we'll, we'll get them later on I don't on the think week. we were going to get to that because I was going to go deep into the collusion <laughs> talk. I was going to be like, maybe Daniel Snyder, he wanted to alleviate, maybe try to appease the NFL by releasing some emails right. from another, a previous head coach in the league and say, hey, guys, I've got dirt on everybody, me, right. even some dirt that makes you look good, Roger Goodell. For sure. No, I, no doubt. And we'll get, we'll get JP. He's a great dude, does a great job there in D.C. We'll get him on. We'll get him on later this week to talk a little bit. Remember last week I said after the ESPN report came out, I said, oh, we're going to get someone on immediately. Well, it's a good thing that we waited because then all of a sudden this happened today. Well, maybe that's okay. We'll just push it back a little bit. Well, maybe we'll talk to him Friday when I'm at Buffalo Wild Wings, and uh, you know, maybe we'll have an opportunity to, to get caught up. But that's fine. Sometimes that happens, and I've had to do that before. It's like, hey. Sorry to do this to you, but I got to (laughs) go. So there you go. J.P. Finley right there, 106.7 The Fan in D.C., NBC, Washington, talking all things uh, commanders, and we'll catch up with him later on this week. Now, we do have time still for some calls and texts. Of course, 702-365-9200. Also, the text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Got plenty of those to get to. Definitely appreciate uh, anyone who hits us up. Did have someone hit us up and ask about – um, oh, did Pierce go before or after Zeus in the draft? Talking about Damian Pierce, the running back from uh, Houston, and, of course, Zamir White, a.k.a. Zeus, the running back for the Raiders. And, actually, uh, Damian Pierce went first. Damian Pierce was drafted at 107. That's in the fourth round. And, and then uh, Zamir White went number 122. So, uh, yeah, the Houston Texans jumped on Damian Pierce. He's a hell of a running back, I think. Zamir White's going to be a hell of a running back as well. Problem with Zamir White right now is he's not getting an opportunity. His biggest opportunity was in preseason because Josh Jacobs don't want to come off the field at all. Josh Jacobs is like, I'm good. He might go in there for, you know, uh, 
get one snap and say, okay, you know, give me a, a breather for one snap, and then boom, he's right back out there. The one thing about Josh Jacobs that I love is the fact that he continues to get better and better and better as games go along. 344 is the time. We'll come back. Some more of your calls, some more of your texts. We'll also still hear, continue to hear from Patrick Graham, Raiders defensive coordinator, as we close out the hour. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we'll talk to Lincoln Kennedy. Get his thoughts on what kind of team he expects to see from the Raiders coming out of the bye week. What he expects to see on Sunday as the Houston Texans come to town. And, uh, you know, just how the Raiders as a team, as a whole, can turn things around. Earlier today, I was hanging out with uh, Lincoln and JT the Brick at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And uh, we were able to record our Raiders Roundtable podcast that we do each and every week. And, of course, we put it out there on Tuesdays. It's live right now. I suggest to you to listen to it or check it out on Raiders YouTube at about 5.01. <laughs> as soon as this show's over, you can go ahead and check that out. If you want to just listen to the audio and not look at the video, which is fine as well, we'll have that on Raider Nation Radio 920 coming up as soon as this show is over at 5 o'clock. But we've been very defensive heavy today. Uh, that's how I planned it because we had Patrick Graham talk to the media earlier today. And the question I threw out there for you to respond to, either on the phone line or the text line, is 69187, keyword R&R, and, of course, 702-365-9200. With Hobbs out, Chandler Jones, he hasn't stepped up yet. Uh, lack of pressure up the gut. What do the Raiders need to do to improve the team defensively? How can that defense, who's ranked, I believe, like 27th or 28th, depending on what analytical um, you know, page you're looking at, pro football focus or pro football reference or whatever the case may be, they always vary, but they're, they're pretty close to you know, around the same range. right? It gives you a pretty good idea. We know that if you look at the Raiders' offense, they're ranked around 6th or 7th, anywhere between like 6th and 9th. And defensively, they're ranked around, like I said, 27, 28, 29. So that's a big difference how can they be more complementary of each other how can they get to be a little bit better where the defense is ranked higher and the 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 to where the offense is so again like i said they can complement each other so six nine one eight seven keyword r and r that's the question that uh, i've been asking got mailman raider he hit us up and said q another factor on getting better which can go for both sides and i'm sure nobody wants to hear it but it's time with time players will come to think less as they're still getting to know a new system. We have to see improvement game by game. And, yeah, nobody wants to hear that. The one thing I know uh, about Raider Nation, and really fan bases in general, but Raider Nation, as long as it's been, as long as uh, this fan base has been starving to see a lot of success, is that patience is running thin. And that's why you have people that call in and get angry and yell and scream at us. And you have people that, you know, look at us like, you know, we're, we're the bad guys when I know it's not us. It's just the frustration of not seeing a winning product all the time. And so we try to keep that in mind. Uh, we also try to realize that, hey, it isn't us. We're just trying to, you know, pass along the information and, and give you as much content as possible, you know, but at the same time give you a reality. So the patience is, is hard to – it's hard to preach patience when the Raiders haven't been a very good team over the last 20 years. You know, they've had two playoff appearances since their Super Bowl run, right? That's just not enough especially for the Raiders. Now, if, it's, if you say the Jaguars, I say, yeah, that's fine because it's the Jaguars. And that's not a disrespect to them, but look, there's not generate. No, it's not. And I know, Damon, I know you're laughing, but look, for the Raiders, and I, I'll use myself as an example. I don't want to talk for anybody else. There's generations and generations of my family that are Raider fans, and including myself, haven't really seen the, the, the payoff. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, my kids are Raider fans because of me, and I'm sure that some – days little q is sitting there at western oregon in in his in his room and saying why am i a fan of this team what have they shown me 
I know my dad's a fan, but what have they shown me? And so he follows me blindly because that's what I tell him, and that's the way to go. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, at some point he's not going to get fed up and say, you know, what the hell with this? Like when he saw the, the Raiders not kick the extra point on Monday night, the first text I got was Little Q saying, why didn't they just kick the extra point? You know what I mean? I said, I don't know, son. I agree. But I, I would have kicked the extra point. He said, man, I, I, they, they didn't have to do that, right? And so my, my, my point is there's so many fans of this team that has passed on generation on top of generation on top of generation that has not seen the success and has not seen the glory days. Like all the Raider alumni that we talked to, all the greats, what era are they from? You know, I mean, outside of a handful, they're not really from my era, right? Philip Villapiano is fantastic. Not my era, <laughs> right? I mean, Lester Hayes, not my era, right? I mean, look, I mean, and again, not trying to be sound disrespectful. It's just this is why the fan base is growing thin on patience. And when you say, hey, just be patient, it's going to take time. Raider Nation's like, the hell, man? It's been 20-plus years. I'm tired of waiting. And, I, and honestly, don't blame them. I've just learned to, to deal with it in a better way than I used to deal with it. I used to deal with it in such a bad way that people didn't want to be around me, and that's no way to live, right? When, when, when you come in the house and your family doesn't want to be around you because it's been a bad day, not anything I did, but because a team lost, that's, that's not a good way to live for me. For you, if that's what, how you want to act, that's cool. That's your, that's your business. For me, that's not healthy. So I had to find a way to make sure that I didn't let that affect my day-to-day livelihood with my family and even my friends you know i mean i don't want to be that unbearable guy to be around oh god there's q raiders lost you know i mean like i was that guy i'm not going to be that guy so when it comes to patience it's hard to tell a fan base to be patient when that's all they've done is be patient and for some like how old are you demon 26 26 there's a 26 year old right now that's a raider fan that has never ever seen anything positive with the raiders you know what I mean? They, okay, saw a team go to the Super Bowl, but they lost. <laughs> and that's all they really know. So that's, that's where the lack of patience comes in with Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. Who we got on the phone line? Raider Seas. Raider Seas, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q. Hey, Damon. Um, So I know during the week we're talking about, you know, what type of changes they need to be doing. Um, and we talked about you know, coach saying what we need to throw in the bucket, what's not working. How about since it's the Texans that we're playing, we let Matthew Butler or Neil Farrow Jr. try to get in because, you know, Bilal Nichols and them, they're not really getting a pass rush. Let these younger guys come in at least try to do something because they are looking for a change anyways. Yeah, no, that's, hey, that's a good point. And those are guys that, you know, you thought and I thought that they were uh, some good good draft picks I thought they were guys that can you know end up being some difference makers I didn't think immediately just because they are young and the Raiders have uh, veterans in front of them uh, the one thing I know about this this regime and these coaches is you're gonna play if you earn it in practice if you go out there and practice and you bust your tail and you're the best guy out there in practice they're gonna give you a chance to, to be in you know you saw what they did to the offensive line if those guys weren't cutting it they went to the guys that would now they have two rookies starting on the offensive line Right, or they have two rookies playing a, a, a significant amount of time. Obviously, Dylan Parham, he is starting. Thayer Munford, you know, sometimes he's starting, sometimes he's not. But it's always going to go back to what they do, you know, in practice is is going to determine what they do in uh, you know in a regular game or how much they action they see in a game. But that's a good point, you know. Butler, 
Maybe he can make a, a, a difference. Maybe Farrell Jr. can make a, a difference. I mean, those guys, uh, they drafted them for a reason. So at some point, you're going to definitely see them in action, I believe. Uh, so that's a good call, man. Thanks so much for that. Wanted to play one more sound from uh, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, and this is just about the pass rush and Chandler Jones. And, you know, we saw him play pretty well, but we didn't see him play consistently throughout the whole game. Obviously, the stats aren't there. He hasn't got the sacks. They gave him a lot of money. Well, he struggled out of the gates. The pass rush in general outside of Max Crosby has struggled out of the gates. Here's Patrick Graham talking about that Raider, D, that Raider pass rush. Again, how we gauge it, whether sack, it's really about affecting the quarterback, and I know you, I know you guys hate hearing that when we say that, but it really is. And we're not, you know, BSing on that. I, I can say that, right? Okay. All right. Um, but um, the, the sacks will come when the sacks come. You know, I mean, the thing is, we're trying to affect the quarterback first, and the sacks are really a, a byproduct of that. And they'll come when they come, and sometimes they come in bunches. I've been part of teams when, you know. It's low, 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 and then all of a sudden they come in bunches. You know, again, it's a combination of things. It's, you know, what's the situation in the game, uh, combination of the coverage and the rush, and just putting it together. And then I, I would say this. We always talk about it being fluid in there with the pass rush. There's got to be a part of them growing together and working off of each other, and so that's part of it as well. But, you know, Chandler's been making plays in the run game, pass game. You know, I, I've been pleased with what Chandler's doing. I will say I know the pass rush hasn't been there, but – both Max and Chandler have done well as far as the run game goes. And I, I was really impressed with seeing the way that Max Crosby has elevated his game. And, you know, I shouldn't be surprised by anything Max does because he continues to elevate and elevate and continue to work harder and work harder and be the first one in the facility and the last one out. I mean, he's that guy. He, he wasn't great against the run. I mean, that was, that was his one weakness. And that seems to me like that was the – one area of his game that he said, you know what, I must improve this to take my game to the next level. And he really has. He's done a fantastic job against the run. You've got to give him a lot of credit for that and just overall what he's done all season long for the Silver and Black and hopefully continues to do on Sunday uh, against the Houston Texans and really wreaks havoc on not only Davis Mills, the quarterback, but Damian Pierce, the running back as well. 3.56 is the time. We'll come back, talk with Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders Radio Network. Of course, multiple-time Pro Bowler on that offensive line. This is Raider Nation Radio. 920. The Texas Longhorns look to sweep the state of Oklahoma this year, and they can do it with a win over Oklahoma State. Listen 